I'm James Ingram, and welcome to Make My Logo Bigger, where we speak with creatives in the ad business. Today, we have the privilege of speaking with Sam Archibald, creative director, co-founder, and owner of Shortstop Agency. Hey, Sam, how are you? Good, James. How are you doing? I'm good, and thank you for doing this. Yeah, no. Very much appreciated. Happy to be here. Thank you for including me. Uh, So, you know, this is going to be pretty laid back. We can... We've got some things here we want to talk to you about, and if there's anything else you want to jump in on, we'll just see where it goes. Um, first question I guess I have, and I've, I've always wondered this, is uh, why the name Shortstop? <laughs> so it's one word, uh, Shortstop, and uh, the name came from quite simply the baseball position and just this idea that uh, as a partner with clients, we really want to play a role on their team. And when I, I say that, I don't mean we want to necessarily be a like an in-house agency of sorts for clients, but rather the idea of playing on a team and what it means to be a player uh, is important to us and, and sort of collaboration. That's that's where the entire name came from. Uh, the other side of that answer is my business partner, Peter, loves baseball. I knew that if, we, if I pitched the name to him, that he would buy into it. So That's great. I love it. And it kind of leads me to my next question, which is uh, now that you have your own agency, what do you think is the, what do you find is the biggest difference between working for an agency and having your own agency and being that guy? Um, Not a huge amount. I mean, really you're beholden to a different person. Um, So, you know, if before the Sunday scaries or the pressure that I would put on myself was coming from an external source. Now it's really, it's coming from a more, maybe a more internal source with anything, right? I mean, there comes a sense of freedom, a sense of independence. I, I love the Sunday scaries because I know exactly what you're talking about. Sunday afternoon around three o'clock, you realize what's coming next week and are you ready? I'm also interested in, you know, your journey to become a creative director. You know, when... When did that sort of insight happen? You thought, oh, this is that I want to work in the ad business and I want to, I want to affect advertising. Uh, my journey to advertising, I think you could ask a lot of people in this industry where the journey, how their journey um, led them to where they are and probably get wildly different answers. But for me, it actually began very similar to sort of the role that you play in, in, in the industry. I started out shooting uh, video. I was big into skateboarding growing up, uh, which is a little bit more of an independent sport. And the team that you have in skateboarding is maybe more of a loose collection of friends that you kind of hang out with. So I, I got into producing skateboard videos when I injured myself enough. That then transitioned to my parents telling me after I graduated high school and basically took a year off to make a skateboard video that I needed to figure out what I was doing with my life. I started looking at university because in you know my family, that's sort of Unfortunately, that seems to be the kind of way that a lot of um, middle-class families are kind of brought up nowadays. It's like, oh, well, you know, you've finished high school, so now you got to look at university or some sort of post-secondary. But it was the art school, so it was, okay, what's the only place in the region that I could go to that I was comfortable with? So I went to NASCAD, and very quickly in NASCAD, within the foundation year, I realized I did not want to express myself through fine art film. I didn't see myself as an artist. I saw it was much more of a commercial aim. Art school lended itself to design because that was the most commercial thing. When I was in design, I actually had a professor tell me, um, you might be happier being an art director in advertising. And I said, what's that? And yeah. Love the the journey to get there because I think in our business, it's a bit of a closed loop. Like I can remember 
getting a job with MTNL years ago and not having a clue about the vernacular they were talking about, you know, the components of the agency and everything. When you first hear someone's an art director or a copywriter, that's a very common response. What is that? Yeah, and part of what uh, Peter and I are trying to do is we say on our website, we're regular people helping you communicate with regular people. And for us, that's as much about breaking down the stigma, the kind of the walled up nature of the advertising business, because um, I think we as creators and, and communicators can sometimes get ourselves balled up in this idea of what is a great ad or what is a piece of great communication or what's a great photograph or what's a great video and not really take into consideration that at the end of the day, it doesn't matter so much what we think. It's more so what's relevant to the customers. Very good. Very good. So the, the next thing is that, you know, I, I guess when I'm talking to someone at your status with regard to working in agencies for years, I mean, you could have continued on that track, mm-hmm. um, being very employable, um, for as long as you wanted to, but you decided to go out on your own, mm-hmm. make that break, yeah, which is in itself brave, brave and scary. What was the, what happened? What was the moment that you said, I, I can't, I want to do something different. I want to do this on my own. And why was that? I'm trying to see if I can pinpoint it to one moment. It was really a slow build, I would say. I mean, I was sitting in, I can remember the feeling of sitting in my therapist chair, being petrified of communicating with people outside of my agency for fear that it would somehow hinder my ability to progress in the business. So I wasn't in necessarily personally a great space around what my job was, what my future was with the company. Um, and that's okay. That happens. Uh, you know, we all kind of get sometimes are in ourselves our own rut, but for me, it was the ability to sort of build something of my own, I guess it's more so just this idea of there's another way to do what I'm seeing out there. Um, Although I would say that we're dramatically not that different from everyone else, but there was a lot of hope I felt in that moment of kind of realizing like, hmm, what if we did this, do do this on our own? And then from there, it was, it was a long, like a long road of just talking to people and getting to that moment to say it, you know, choosing to be, whether in my role as a creative director, I was working with a lot of people. I mean, really at the end of the day, I love, I love getting my hands dirty with some of it. And then I also love being able to kind of work with others to arrive there. No, that's a great answer. And I mean, I think, you know, and I've seen this in other art directors, copywriters that end up going this path. At some point, I think they realize that maybe they're not being heard and they want to be heard and they've grown past, you know, being under the tutelage of a creative director. Yeah. You know, even looking at like job titles or job roles, like it's taken me a lot to realize that you know, you can call me a creative director. You can call me a art director. You can call me a graphic designer. You can call me a production artist. You can call me a PowerPoint guru. Like you really have to, like, I, I don't really care to call myself a creative director when I speak to other people. Uh, and I know that maybe is a, an odd thing to say, but you know, even when I was working in the capacity more of a creative director in my past, like it's all about how you work with other people and how you make other people feel and how you work together to kind of achieve something. Now that sounds very vague and esoteric, but it it's, I think it's really true. And you just, you can't be a jerk. You can't be an asshole to people. Um, and, and so much, I feel like people can get wrapped up in titles as a way of sort of signifying like I am this. And I can't, I can't point to anything I've done and say, I was a creative director here, or I was an art director here. We were all just kind of working to try and deliver the best product. 
Yeah, that's great. Uh, I love that measure of humility. You know, it is a team effort. Yeah. I, I mean, look, we started a company, but it, it doesn't take much. I can tell you how it works, right? You know, mm. you find yourself a lawyer and you do about a year's worth of research. Um, <laughs> and you, you do a lot of cold messages on LinkedIn to other industry leaders. And eventually you grow in confidence through enough therapy and enough conversations that, you know, you can just do it. And then once you do it, you know, I remember when we started the agency, we felt like maybe there would be this one day we wake up and it feels like this thing is real, but we still, you know, it still kind of feels like we're just figuring it out as we go. And maybe that's a little bit of a fault, uh, a fallacy or ignorance on our part, but like truly, you know, we're, we're 10 months into this thing. Um, and I feel like we're, we're not doing too bad. It feels longer than that. No, it's funny. You know, I remember starting to jive and, and going to Suzanne and saying, oh, I'm going to I'm just going to go start this studio. And then about two years, two years later, she said, is there any point you're going to get paid for this yeah. hobby that you're I said, it, it's coming. It's close, you know. But my point is, it 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 uh, it takes time, you know, to to build up your reputation and get the work underneath you and uh, and do that. But I, I think have you have you experienced like are you further along than you thought or did you allow yourself the luxury to even think about it in those terms um i would say that we're not as far along as i would love for us to be but that's maybe going back to my own sort of internal barometer of of measure of success um i think this has been really it's been probably a year in the making before we actually like launched everything and by that i mean I was thinking about it for a while. Right. Um, but I'm pretty adverse to change, I would say at times, and it's yeah. something I'm trying to work on. So uh, it was a lot of thinking about it, f- trying to figure it out. Um, and at some point, you, a lot of people just said to us, like, you can't, you, you, you have to just stop thinking about it and, and take a rising and just yep. do it. Take a leap. Exactly. So, okay. Uh so this is this is something that I've one of the questions that I've really interested in you answering, and that is, you know, how have you noticed over the last ten or fifteen years the ad business change? If it, if in fact you think it has. Uh, so when I started really understanding this industry as a as a career path and as an industry for for other businesses to um, to to get into, that was around two thousand eight two thousand nine is when I graduated. Uh, university from OCAT. Uh, so I had actually been at NASCAD for three years, flipped over to OCAT uh, to finish two years in their advertising program, which was a radical change, but a really good one for me personally. Um, and what it exposed me to was uh, the industry itself, because, you know, unfortunately here in Halifax, people like to think we're like, you know, two or three years behind everybody else or even five depends on who you talk to. Um, what I found in Toronto was a greater sense of there's a momentum for how the industry acts and works. And it's not so, wasn't so much present, especially while I was at school here in Halifax, but digital was huge. Everyone was at that point talking about how are we going to use the internet? How are we going to use digital media? How are we going to take, um, flash and banner ads and how are we going to make things interactive for people? And, you know, it's not about ads anymore. It's about, 
you know, this experience you build online. I mean, I think like subservient chicken had been out at that point. And, you know, there's a number of great pieces of work that I think did a great job of kind of exploring what's on the edges of possible. But then the challenge came into, okay, great. Now that digital's in place, we can start measuring everything and we can put an ROI figure on the dollars we're spending in our advertising. And what I would say the biggest trend over the last 10 to 15 years that I've experienced in the industry has been, I've never fully ever seen digital, a purely digital approach completely deliver everything that it might expect to or say that it could. Um, And so for me, uh, you know, we always want to be in the forefront of new technology. And yes, like obviously the world of websites and social media are, are, you know, incredibly important to building a brand. Um, but I think, especially when we started shortstop, you know, I talked with Peter a lot about, you know, I don't necessarily want us to become the place you go to that's going to, um, you know, purely be focused on the, the ROI of your digital marketing and advertising. And more often than not, the research that I've dived into shows that that comes back to, um, mass, large reach, uh, high penetration into new markets with new customers. And you can't achieve that through uh, a targeted micro-targeted approach. Interesting. I think that this challenge of social media or digital media being able to be the only way in which others can connect with brands nowadays, like nobody watches TV anymore. Nobody watches, nobody goes to the movies anymore. Nobody does this anymore. I think I think there's a fallacy there. And we, yeah. especially if you're in the industry, you really start to get, you get it in your head that, that that's the truth, right? Because you hear it from everybody. For me, it's about recognizing there's a balance in, in everything. Traditional good advertising that's focused on, you know, characters and dialogue, really good craft is actually more important to grow a brand than it is to worry about, you know, your three month marketing spend, because that is really not going to move the needle much more than you think it is. And if you're worried about that, you're not looking at the long term. Interesting. So uh, that kind of leads into the next question, which is what are the challenges, if any, to operating uh, an agency such as yours in this environment, present environment? The challenges for operating right now, I would say for us, I think in the industry, there's a huge sort of issue around providing value to clients, making sure that the there is a form of measurement on the work that we're doing. One of the things that I focused on, and I can't say that we're necessarily doing it. I, I don't have an answer as to like, here's how we are on this index, but the effectiveness of the work that we do is really important to me. So making sure that if we're working on an ad campaign for a client and it's going to be in market for a three-month period, that may not be long enough for us to even measure the effectiveness of this. But if we can turn around and say, you've grown your market share um, over six months to a year, and it you know it's from a consistent push of the work that we've done for you, great. I can then say there's been some great business effects out of the work we've done. The, the other challenge on a personal level for us has just been about building relationships. So, you know, this is a, this is a traditionally male white world and I am male and white, uh, happen to be 
a member of uh, the LGBTQ community or 2S LGBTQ community, uh, being a gay guy myself, but this idea that business is won and, and built with you know a beer or on the golf course or through who you know or your family connections is, is a barrier for us because we aren't necessarily as well connected as others may be. We're not, I'm not a salesperson by trade. So for us, it's been building our presence and doing great work for clients that we've often received through referral. But now, you know, for us, future forward, um, you know, we're looking to, you know, how do we, how do we build connections with folks outside of Nova Scotia? And that's not necessarily because we don't want to work here, but it's because, you know, there is lots of opportunities around the world. I'm interested in knowing, do you, do you have any advice for creatives that are starting out in this business? Uh, yeah. I mean, my advice would be not unlike the advice I'd given, give to anybody kind of looking to, to start in any business, which is be persistent, be yourself. Trust uh, your instincts. Yeah. I would say trust your instincts. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say there, and I will not go long winded with this answer is, um, don't confine yourself to only thinking within the confines of the industry. So, you know, make sure your interests lie outside and in. Good point. Yeah, that's great. Because that feeds your creative, right? Completely. Yeah. Do you want to talk? I was just going to ask you, can you speak to us about what are you most, what are you most proud of so far in your career? That's hard to, it's like picking children, right? Who's, who, which kid are you most proud of? Right. Uh, and I want to ask you to answer that. I, I could tell you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, no, I'd say one of the projects that stands out for me was the opportunity to work on rebranding Halifax Pride uh, back in 2015 yeah. uh, with Revolve. Uh, so that was a great opportunity as I was kind of given the opportunity to, to lead the client through the process and 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 also kind of work with them. Um, but just, you know, building that identity was something that uh, I really enjoyed and, and solving that problem was fun. Yeah. When you're considering hiring suppliers for whatever it may be, photography, video, animation, you know, what are you looking for from them so that there's, you know, it's an easy working relationship. Yeah. Um, I think for us, it's about making sure that there is a true nature of collaboration present in, in that relationship as well as, uh, an outside perspective and one that we don't have internally between Peter ourselves or anybody that, that's working with us. Um, we need to know that the value they're bringing to that client is something that is not uh, present in what's either already out there or you know what the client can find off of uh, one of the many number of websites that I don't want to admit to having to use in a past life. But when you're really trying to to attract new people to your business, I feel like you need distinctive work and distinction and dis distinctiveness is another thing that's really important to me. So uh, I think that's what I look for in uh, production partners of any form. So just, just expanding on that a little bit, uh, what makes Shortstop different than other agencies in your opinion? Like quite honestly, to answer that question, I'd say there's not a huge amount that makes shortstop different right now outside of Peter and Sam. Um, you know, we are wholly unique in ourselves, but uh, the one thing that was important to me when starting this and the reason why Peter as a business partner was somebody that I was really attracted to was because he doesn't come from the industry. So Peter's backgrounds in software development and primarily it's been web development for the last decade or so. Um, 
And he's very familiar, uh, the same way that I've been familiar with having to um, go from building a concept that could launch a brand or uh, uh, do something at a very high level to also having to do the you know bare bones grunt work, get in there with a 40 layer Photoshop file and make sure that if I'm having to put a composition together, I know how to properly do that. Or if I have to export a multimedia campaign in, across 20 different mediums from bus shelters to Facebook ads to billboards to making sure everything is synced up and looking right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've had to take that mindset. And similarly, Peter's had to do that on a, on a technology side. So if a client server has crashed over the weekend, he knows how to get it back up. Similarly, he can structurally look at the strategy of your entire digital presence from social media to website and say, here's where you need to be. So we both kind of approach problems similarly that way. Um, our differences really at the end of the day, we are a creative services agency for folks. Uh, we will sell you our services in the form of advertising, graphic design, website, branding, strategy, consultation. Um, we're pretty flexible in that form, but we're wholly not that different from everyone else. We're just trying to be a little bit more distinctive. And I carry that same philosophy through a lot of the work that we mm-hmm. do with our clients. I, 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 I challenge anyone and a lot of businesses out there to sit down and write your true differentiators and realize how truly different are you from the many other competitors that you're up against. Um, that may sound really kind of nihilistic or, or, or down, but I, I, I do think that you know when we talk about it truly at the end of the day, uh, it is about the nuance and it is about the kind of inches versus you know the the yards that people are running here. So we're we're about those details, but we are wholly not that different. So we're just trying to be distinct and grow it. It's a little bit of a loaded question. The reason I asked it was. Uh Part of it is you're working with us on a project. We brought you in and you're 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 handling the creative direction on the project. And you know, we immediately observed that A, you were all in, you you did the research and you over delivered and you really gave a shit about the the end product. And we found that you just fit into what we do and how we approach things so well. Uh, and the client's very happy. And I can tell you. That's not always the case, you know. Just extend on that. Do you believe that that your personality came out in your approach to agency work, or was your personality sort of stifled when you were doing agency work at larger agencies? Well, I've only really worked at one large agency. My only other experience was an internship, uh, which was wholly um, impactful on my life uh, and in my career. But it was a really short stint, and I wasn't even paid for it uh, up in Toronto with a group called Low Roche which if you know, anyone, I do. Jeffrey Roche is uh, quite prolific and as well, um, that was sort of under a woman by the name of Christina Yu, who um, has definitely made a mark for herself on the Canadian advertising world. Um, but I don't know my personality. Look, I mean, how deep do you want me to go on this answer? Let it go. Okay. So I would say that a challenge I've had has been, uh, you know, finding your your sort of core outside of work, or finding what it is that makes you tick. I am unfortunately a workaholic, uh, so I can get really quickly invested in the work I'm doing and the clients I'm working for. Um, thankfully, my 
my life partner is similar in that same respect. So, you know, most weeknights we end up on the couch. He's on his end with his laptop and I'm on the other end with my laptop. We both got headphones on and the cat is floating between us. We are, um, I say that and I sent in the sense that, you know, building a person, <laughs> my own personality, uh, you know, I was the same when I was at a, a larger agency for a long time. I would say finding the confidence in myself to do what I'm doing now, uh, I, I still suffer from a lot of imposter syndrome, but you need to, um, you know, you just, you, you kind of need to go for it. And the one thing I realized uh, after speaking with a lot of people before is that if I worried what others thought about me or waited for everyone to respond to me in the time that I wanted them to respond, um, I would just be waiting forever. And I had to just need to kind of get, get on with it. So, yeah, that's great. I love what you said about the imposter syndrome as I, I can remember experiencing that getting out of school and then going right opening a studio and then approaching clients and doing jobs and being like, I don't have a clue how this is going to go. I am totally faking this just to get, to get this done. And then one day it leaves you and you're, you have the confidence and you have the skills, you know, that, that you train to do. Yeah. I, I would say like, I've grown more confident in certain things I do. I can do. Um, but there are like new areas that we're looking at or yeah. new roles that I need to take on where I'm still not as confident. But the thing I realized after speaking with enough other agency owners before I started this thing, which was a, a big thing that, that Peter and I did was even they suffer from it. Yeah. So, it, it's natural because this business touches on so many different skill sets, right? I mean, you, you have a, you have a skill set that you know some part of this other thing that you want to go into, but you don't know it all, but you need to kind of act like you do in yeah. the moment. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that I can go from working with a public service government client that I was just on a phone with before I hopped in the car to come over here to, you know, um, uh, working on Halifax pride to working on, um, you know, a telecommunications company about how they can attract more customers to, you know, working with a software company to figure out like, you know, how do we structure their website so that it has personality, but at the same time, you know, attracts the right kind of people and flows them in the right direction and they get the right information. So, um, yeah, I, I, I enjoy the kind of diversity that we have in the industry for sure. Cause marketing is like a huge part of many businesses and oftentimes it's, it's a role that, that, that is either kind of sandwiched into another role for someone, or it's sort of thought of as this weird uncle cousin to the whole business. And they kind of come in and spend a lot of money on stuff. And well, where does all that money go? And who's actually tracking it? Yeah. So, I often feel like, and I don't know if you like, like I've never left school. Like I'm taking a new course yeah, every day. Yeah. You know, there's just everything that comes in is different than the last thing. And it demands a certain level of understanding to, to make what it is you have to make for that client. Yeah. And that's what I find really sort of interesting in my own, I guess, life. I watch a lot of YouTube and, uh, the diversity of videos that, that I can be found watching on there, I'm sure would be interesting to many people. Yeah. yeah. So back to the, uh, talking about agencies, do you feel, would you change anything about the current agency model? Not to uh, answer your question with a question, but what would you say is the current agency model? 
that's a very good question. And I don't really think I have an understanding of that now. I know that it's changed. I know the amount of agencies in HRM have reduced. Um, but I often kid with people that creative types, they don't change their stripes. They just move their office either to home or to another agency. You know, you, you, it's very rare you hear of creative people in the ad business becoming carpenters or it does happen, but it, it's very rare. We seem to, as much as we complain about it, we stick with it and we love it. Yeah. I mean, I think the model, like the thing I don't want to kid myself about is like my, our agency right now is two people. Like we are, we are our physical, like if you Google us and look at our, our registry of joint stocks, like our address is my house. Uh, and that's just because I said, well, I'll put the address at my house. Um, so like, I don't know if I'm fully qualified to uh, speak on the current agency model. Um, but what I can say is like a big thing Peter and I have done has to not think that we know it all or that just because we were in one place or did one thing uh, for a long time that we need to do the opposite of that in order to be successful or that what they were doing was wholly wrong because of X, Y, Z and whatnot. Um so one of the, the key things we've done, and recently we just joined uh, an association called, um, well, they've just got a, gone through a name change, but they're they're called the Institute of Canadian Agencies. They used to be the Institute of uh, Communication Agencies, but they're now the Institute of Canadian Agencies. Um, and they are an industry association for ad agencies, marketing agencies, digital creative service agencies, a whole number of folks, media agencies uh, in in Canada. And their goal is really to amplify, transform the agency world, and then as well sort of um, stand up for the things that are important for agencies and act basically in the agency's best interest. And the reason why- An advocate. An advocate, absolutely. And the reason why we joined that organization um, was because we had a number of conversations with um, the leadership there. And Peter and I wanted to learn. We wanted to know, like, if we are going to build this thing, our vision is not for Sam and Peter to be shortstop for the next 10 years. We, I do think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of really talented people in this market. Um, and I think that there's a lot of reasons why clients could look to a market like the East Coast to get great work done and not necessarily have to be only going down Blower Street and taking a pick from the many number of multinationals that are there. So we're independent, but independent means nothing. You know, we are a corporation, but it really, again, it's just the two of us and the address is my house. So if you Google us, you'll find the address. You can send me some mail if you want. But uh, so all that to be said, the current agency model, I think, is still in flux. Uh, the transition to uh, working remotely has shown that, you know, we don't necessarily need everything that we thought we might have needed in order to do it. I will say that uh, I think real estate and having a home base for an organization is is really important for a number of reasons, uh, collaboration, uh, communication, all that. I think it can be difficult, um, but I think the current agency model needs to grow and adapt mm. Interesting. It's evolving. Um, what was your most memorable job? So far in my career, and I'd say that like the next one's going to be the most memorable, James. Um, coming up with an idea to celebrate people who make the right choice 
when they, uh, at the end of a night, instead of getting into their car and driving home drunk, but, uh, choosing to take a cab home. How could we do that? Uh, how could we make that a celebration for people? Um, my husband, Jerry is a prolific, uh, karaoke er, uh, so much so that I can tell you many stories of being dragged down to different legions around this province to act as his, uh, assistant DJ while he karaoke for folks. That's great. Uh, um, and we, I took that and said, well, what if we turn the cabs into karaoke cabs? And that became Cabioke for the NSLC. And it was a campaign for us to um, advocate for getting home safely and getting home in a responsible way. And, you know, sure, you can have some fun with it because that organization was all about how do we not shame people into not drinking and driving, but how do we show them that there is a way that is not, uh, you know, not doom and gloom. And that was memorable because we were downtown and pulling together this cab that was cobbled together and we had a, a shoot we had a, a film crew on set we were pulling people out of bars and saying do you guys want to come in this commercial we're filming and it was just so memorable because it was like it went from idea that sam and a team of other people around him not just sam let's be that clear but you know the idea that i had at least somewhat of a hand in and at least could champion in my agency to then being sold to the client to then being kind of sitting there on the curb at midnight watching the cab pull away and people start singing, you know, working for the weekend, uh, was pretty incredible. Right. So, um, and that like advertising doesn't necessarily have to be what you see on TV. Now challenge there is, I think that campaign needed about an extra year's time of TV advertising and promotion, but it did turn into something really cool. Uh, and like a great initiative for the NSLC to kind of use as a way to talk about drinking and driving in a more accessible way for, for people. But, um, just because of the fact that it was like karaoke and it, you know, it's a, you have it on a napkin, right? It's like, let's turn a cab into a karaoke bar. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just love listening to that because I, I often come into these conversations after the idea has been born and, and sold through, but this, the, the process of getting to that point. I mean, you know, talk about being a workaholic and, and you you get briefed on that. You see the need to do something and then you live with it. And, you know, your process, everybody's process is different, but you're pulling from things that are happening in your own life and seeing connection points with with ideas. It's just so cool. Yeah, I think if you, I can give you some, some books and stuff, but this, this idea of neuroscience and how it connects to the way that we're creative. I mean, that's, that's what it is. Like you need yeah. to, you, when the people say you need to sleep on it or you, your best ideas come to you in your shower or the best ideas come to you when you're falling asleep, it's because, um, your subconscious has been working on it and there's, there's science out there that shows that. So I find that really interesting. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because I, I go through that, like we'll be working through something and I just, I'll go to bed. It's dead quiet. I know I'm about to go to sleep, but I'm doing my best thinking then. Oh yeah. Same here. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, do you have a favorite story to tell about your time in the industry? I don't know if I have a favorite story. Uh, oh, here's a really quick one. Um, I don't tell this to many people cause many people don't ask. Uh, but, um, this might sound boastful, but one of my favorite presentations I ever did is when I first arrived at OCAD and, you know, one of the first classes we were in, they said, okay, next week you're going to show up to class and you need to present for five to 10 minutes on what the future of advertising was. And so I had moved into a, 
international student dorm uh, in Toronto. And that week before, my neighbor next door had knocked on my door and she was this very sweet young lady from Jamaica. And we kind of hit it off and connected and talked. And I actually pulled her into that class the next week and gave her a bunch of Bristol boards with my presentation written out on marker. And rather than sit up there and say, here's my PowerPoint, let me plug in my computer and dongle, I had Lisa stand at the front of class and reveal the presentation through big Bristol board. And that was from my point of trying to say, which I actually, I'm not sure I, let's, I'll spin it to say that I firmly believe it. But at that point, I was trying to say that, you know, the future of advertising is going to be a lot more personal. Um, I don't know if it is, to be honest with you. I would say the future of advertising really needs people. You need to have humanity reflected in the work that you're doing. Uh, so we'll say that that was my my original mission, but that's a story that I I think is at least illustrates a point that you need to think about how do we do things slightly distinctively from everyone else. One of the last questions here, what would your dream client be? Oh, I saw that question before and I, I wasn't sure how I was going to answer it. Um, I think for me, it's less of a specific client and more of somebody that recognizes the power that mass appealing advertising can have over their brand and that they trust us to help create a vision for them or a product that will actually deliver that. So <laughs> realistically, that's somebody with a lot of money and a, you know, a, a lot of trust and that's few and far between these days. So, um, but you know, I, I really admire the clients that recognize that uh, you know you you can't you can't necessarily measure everything to the nth degree, and you need to put a little bit of trust into the work that's there. Uh, but I don't know, like if you're looking for like Coke or Pepsi or any of those other people, like I'd love to work for, I'd love to do a, a campaign on them. I'd, it's probably not in the cards at this stage, but uh, yeah. My takeaway from what you just said is really that that word trust. I guess I guess what I was sort of getting at, and it's just been something I've observed for a long time, is I'm just going to say it. I find some clients don't get true value out of agencies. And what I mean by that is they don't get the thinking, the creative thinking, that part of the the brain that makes you different from other people. You know, that's famous line in Mad Men where they, they say they hate us because they can't do what we do. Yeah, I- I do think that I think there's truth in both sides of it. You know, what you said is not, it's not emotions and thoughts that I haven't seen or heard or expressed myself. I would say that from somebody on the other side of it, like I'm not going to get there with a client in terms of like convincing them why this is right through brute force. Now, no, that's my personality. I need to kind of work on that because I do think what's important is challenging our clients. And that's, that's critical because if, if, if we can't challenge our clients, like we really aren't bringing them value. So that's a really good point. And, and I was speaking to someone the other day, we won't name any names, but they're a similar size agency. And, uh, you know, I was, we were just talking about this and I said, so how do you, how do you get around this when you present a really good idea that you know is good and you know, it's going to be effective and the client pushes back on it. And they said, well, what we usually do is ask them how this change is going to make the, you know, the idea better. Yeah. And invariably they don't have an answer to that. Yeah. And, and I think that's also really tricky too, because the work we do can be really subjective. 
right? So um, what I like, the reason, the other big reason why I started this agency was because I wanted to have more control over the inputs. Uh, in my past life, I was a lot more involved with the output. Uh, and by that, I'm really meaning the strategy that's going into the work that we're creating. So I am not a strategist. I don't have a background in strategy. I'm very interested in it. Uh, and I've done, I've tried to do a lot of work to understand what is, what is the right approach or what is a progressive world approach for 2022 when it comes to advertising strategy. That's what some of my earlier comments were around. But all that was for me so that when we walk in with a client and we establish what a brief is and we establish what the product is that we're going to create for them, that hopefully by the time we get to presenting you the creative work, it is like a logical conclusion. And at that point, you are making a determination on uh, you know, how much, you know, do we like this color? Do we like that? Do we like that? You know, I don't really care so much. Right. Um, I will say though, having just spurted, spurted off all of that, it, it is, it is, it is a challenge. Right. And yeah. you, you, I struggle with being people's friends while at the same time being a, the challenging agency for them. Yeah. So I, I, I do think this idea of kind of like following, leading, a, like leading a client, following a client, challenging a client, those are all things that are really important. Um, and so, uh, when I say that we like to be teams, it doesn't mean that we just all get hunky dory and figure out what's the right path forward together and everyone's rainbow and sunshine. Like I do think the great thing about being a part of a team is that you can challenge each other and that you can have the trust to say, you know what? I don't think that this is looking the best it can, or I don't know if this idea makes sense to me. Does it make it better? Yeah. Yeah. So when you're when you're working with a client and you've, you know, you're, you're under contract with them, you're, you know, you're going to be doing work. You've, you've been presented the idea, you present your creative idea for the campaign, we'll say, and they say unequivocally, no, uh, we just don't see that. Yeah. How do you, how do you push past that? Um, it, it depends on us. It, it does depend situation to situation, but more often than not, I look at what is table stakes for the idea or what's table stakes for the initiative that we're working on um, and try and bring that person and the, and the end product back to like making sure that it's going to still deliver what it is. Because more often than not, depends on who's in the room and who's voicing that dissension, um, but it can be either ego, it can be, you know, a valid reason for an oversight on our part. Um, I, I, I try and take all of that into consideration because at the end of the day, we're not burying people or saving lives. Right. So not curing cancer. No, you know, it's, it, there are some projects that just, you have to kind of chalk it up to, okay, I'm not sure if we're going to be able to move past this. And then you have to reevaluate the relationship you have with that client at that time and say, is this something I want to continue growing with or am I valued here? Yeah. Great answer. Short snappers. Favorite album. Uh, it's so far gone by Drake. Favorite spot to vacation. Uh, nowadays, <laughs> um, the uh, Northumberland Strait, my family has a cottage up there in an area called Tony River. Beautiful. Your favorite age. I don't know. Uh, I'm going to say 37 because I'm turning that in May. So. There you go. Favorite piece of technology. Uh, do you want me to give you the, the real answer? Or do you want me to give you like the, the cool advertising answer? No, nah, mighty real. 
Okay. Favorite piece of technology right now is my CPAP machine that I use because I snore when I sleep and uh, the ability for me to to sleep next to my partner with without him hauling off and kicking me out of the bed is great. So that's awesome. Um, it's got Wi-Fi or internet connected to it. It's pretty interesting. Anyway, who is your, who's your inspiration? I don't know. I, I have so many. It's hard. It's, uh, that's a hard one for me to answer. Uh, in the industry. Mm. Um, I mean, I look to people like Christina, Christina, you, I look to, um, you know, there's a guy named uh, Zach Marue, which is, he has an agency in Toronto called uh, Zulu Alpha Kilo. I look at uh, Chris Staples and the whole team at Rethink and what they've been able to build. I mean, those those are inspirations for me within the industry. Absolutely. Yeah, those are some giants in the industry too. Pizza or pasta? Pasta. Chosen superhero. I was always kind of a Spider-Man kid growing up. Yeah, I think I'm Batman. Dogs or cats? Cats. What sound does a dolphin make? Something that we can't understand because yeah. they they speak at frequencies and 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 an intellect that we don't we don't understand or know. Good answer. And uh, three words to describe this podcast experience: uh, Mark, Ricks, and James. Excellent, Sam. Listen, man, I know I know you're busy, and we really appreciate you coming in. No, my pleasure. And I've learned a few things. Good. Hopefully, you're. Feel better for it? Yeah, no, this was fun. I appreciate it. Anytime. This is great. All right, signing off. Thank you. We really love hearing these stories from our creative community. So stay tuned as we will be inviting more folks to come and chat with us.